I'm Casey Cook with Casey Cook Farms in Jordanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas farmers and ranchers are enjoying nice rain events in many areas of the state. And that's a big relief following two years of devastating drought. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. I'm Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We're still waiting on the final official numbers, but there's no question that 2023 was another tough year for cotton farmers in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I will have comments from a Texas Gulf Coast cotton farmer on the value of testing new cotton varieties on his farm. That's ahead on Texas Ag Today. The Coastal Bend row crop farmers have been busy preparing for next season's crop. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. After two years of devastating drought, Texas farmers and ranchers are enjoying nice rainfall in many areas of the state. Brian Adamek farms near Victoria, that's down near the Texas coast, and he says they've had some great rains there. Down on where we're at on the coast, we've gotten significant rain over the past month. We've had four to five inches. Uh, There's a lot of areas that are still looking for that first rain. They're calling for El Nino. We just have to see what's going to happen. It's just hit and miss. Up in the northern Texas panhandle, the rains have been falling as well. Ockle Tree County agent Scott Strawn says this should be a big year for wheat. It's as good as it gets if you're a wheat farmer. In fact, this is the best start on a wheat crop that we've had in three years. Starting in September, we had some pretty good rains on most of the area, and these producers were able to get in and get their wheat planted and started off to a good stand. And then when you put this on top of it, we're looking at a wheat year. Strawn says things can turn around quick, and wheat will disappoint you some years. But he feels like this year is going to be a really good one in his area. The National Corn Growers Association is recognizing Texas corn farmers for their outstanding yields this year. Justin Young of Marlin took home top honors in the state conventional non-irrigated category with more than 240 bushels per acre. Brian Fink of Cost topped the state's no-till non-irrigated category with 205 bushels an acre. Justin Hansen of Lorena placed first in the Texas Strip 
mulch-till, non-irrigated category, he harvested 233 bushels an acre. Randall Cohen of Sunray topped the no-till irrigated category with 283 BPU. In the strip minimum mulch ridge-till irrigated category, Brett Britton of Groom was first place with 206 BPU. And Jody Besner of Texline topped the conventional irrigated category with 324 bushels an acre. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. This has been a busy year for state legislators. Representative Dwayne Burns chairs the House Agriculture and Livestock Committee. He says he's looking forward to some time off. Well, we haven't had an off-season yet because we're still in a special session. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, you know, constantly, you know, taking a look at developments in the ag world with property rights uh, issues as they come up and, uh, you know, never ceases. Uh, but, but we're still in special sessions, and hopefully we'll get those wrapped up and get to come home soon. Representative Dwayne Burns of Cleburne. 2023 was another tough year for cotton farmers on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt looks back at the crop in this report from Amarillo. Those very generous rains we got around the Texas High Plains last week were certainly encouraging and hopefully a sign that we'll have good planting conditions for our area farmers come springtime. Those who grow cotton are absolutely in need of a bounce-back year. Although final numbers for 2023 are not in yet, Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers tells me cotton production in our region is coming out way below average for the second year in a row. Our average on the High Plains is around 3.7 million bales of production. Last year, that number was 1.5 million for 2022. In 2023, back in the early part of the summer, we were thinking we would have well over 2 million bales. But, you know, there's a saying that big crops get bigger, small crops get smaller. And unfortunately, I'm afraid that's going to be the case for us in 2023 and so as we're coming to the end of the ginning season and even getting toward the end of the usda cotton classing season i'm going to estimate that we're somewhere in the range very similar to where we were last year of around 1.5 1.6 million bales one strong indicator of just how tough the 2023 growing season was mark brown of plains cotton growers says Preliminary estimates suggest more than 80% of the dryland cotton acres in our region were abandoned. A very hot, very dry summer taking a major toll on cotton. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton farmers across Texas tested a lot of potential new varieties this year. Tom Nicoletti has the story from South Texas. Today, reporting from San Antonio, where I caught up with Chris Davlin. He is a uh, cotton farmer in El Campo and one of the uh, 130 or more cotton farmers from across the country that are part of the Delta Pine New Product Evaluator Program, in which those uh, cotton farmers around the cotton belt provide valuable insight uh, from their large acre variety plots, including feedback on management and performance of potential uh, cotton crops. This 
is your second year of uh, testing the cotton uh, varieties. Uh, Chris, uh, tell us about your experience. The program lets us go with these new varieties, new different traits, new herbicide techniques. It gives us a chance to see things in the pipeline and to test them for the company and give the company our opinion on what they do in our area, on our fields and our conditions. Why is this so valuable to you as a producer? Well, it gives us the chance to see what works in our area and under our conditions, our climate, what works in our different ways we farm compared to something that may be working good in Georgia or Louisiana or even in West Texas. It gives us things that works on our farm in our area. And certainly uh, with all the challenges that farmers face these days, the weather, the markets, other outside factors, anything that that you can uh, use in your toolbox uh, is going to be helpful. That is correct. With everything that we can't control, we can't control our prices. We can't control our weather. We have got to be more in tune and in depth with things we can't control, choosing the right products, choosing the right variety, choosing the right things we put in the farm and to, to spend our money on and to invest in our crops to get the most out of our investment. That is cotton farmer Chris Davlin from El Campo. Reporting from San Antonio, I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers are busy preparing for next year's crop. Harvey Buring has this update from Corpus Christi. Well, weather conditions during early December have been pretty nice, and that has allowed our Coastal Bend row crop farmers to apply fertilizer and do some of that final tillage work in preparation for next season's crop. They're only about 60 to 70 days away from the typical start of corn planting time in mid-February, and of course, followed immediately by planting grain, sorghum, and cotton. So farmers hope to get most of that work done prior to Christmas and be on their way for a great crop next year. Now, many farmers are still contemplating whether or not they'll plant the same amount of cotton as they did last year. And of course, a number of those farmers did reduce their cotton acreage by as much as 15 to 20 percent last season because of the low price outlook. And many of those farmers are continuing to look at the price outlook prospects for cotton. It hasn't strengthened as much as they'd hoped, but many indicate that if the outlook for cotton would run into the upper 80 cent range uh, prior to next season's harvest, and they could lock in some prices on the futures, they might not reduce cotton acreage much more than they did last year. Now, the Corpus Christi Cotton Classing Office has been hoping that they would reach the million bale classification number uh, for cotton produced in Southeast Texas. And uh, so far, it's been a little elusive. In the last report on December 8th, the Classing Office had processed some 888,552,000 bales. And there's just four of the 48 gins in the territory operating. So it'll be close to a million bales, but still remains to be seen when all classification work is completed here if they will reach the million bale mark for South Texas this season. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Studying deer DNA could be key to curbing the spread of chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And highly pathogenic avian influenza is showing up here in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next 
right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Highly pathogenic avian influenza is showing up in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says one recent discovery was last month in Ellis County. This is not the first time this disease has been found in Texas. Ellis County is just south of Dallas, and following the observation of sick and dying birds, samples were sent to the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab and also to the National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa. State officials quarantine the premises, and federal and state animal health specialists are closely observing areas surrounding the infected flock. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the public health risk of human infections from this virus remains low. However, they want to remind folks that proper handling and cooking of all poultry and eggs to an internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit is recommended as a good safety precaution. Dr. Bud Dinges, Texas State Veterinarian, indicates that protecting poultry health is a priority in Texas, and we strongly encourage poultry owners and producers to strengthen biosecurity practices and stay vigilant to prevent other spread of the virus. Avian influenza seems to have been increasing across the country, according to Dr. Dinges, and the virus is caused by a type A influenza virus which can infect all poultry and is carried by flying waterfowl. There are many different strains of influenza virus, and they are classified as H or N, which are the proteins involved. They are also classified as low or high pathogenicity, and this current virus is highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI. It is recommended to closely observe and report sudden increases in a number of sick or dead birds to the Texas Animal Health Commission. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Studying deer DNA could be a key to curbing the spread of chronic wasting disease. Jessica Nomal has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Genomic prediction could be key in curbing the spread of chronic wasting disease in both captive and wild deer. Dr. Chris Seabury, professor of genomics at the Texas A&M University School of Veterinary Medicine, recently briefed the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission on a tool that he developed that can help improve CWD resistance in white-tailed deer. CWD risk and the incidence of CWD can be predicted with high accuracy, regardless of the origin, whether it's through an infectious exposure the normal classical route, or whether it's sporadic. We do think that sporadic cases can happen. They happen in other species. We even do see in our own data some evidence that that could be true. Selective breeding significantly reduces CWD susceptibility. That can be tested as a hypothesis and proven to be true. Total breeder depopulation is often unnecessary. We have a demonstration project. We've already shown that to be true. Being able to look at a deer's genetics and determine which are more resistant to CWD and selectively breeding those would allow deer raisers and others to create a healthier, more CWD-resistant population. 
The pilot project is a deer breeding facility in South Texas that had a positive CWD case in 2021. Instead of being depopulated, the buck that tested positive and the deer that came into direct contact with it were euthanized. The other deer remained in the facility and are tested. Seabury said the accuracy of using his method to blindly predict which deer from a CWD positive facility will test positive averages 81 percent. Although the initial application of the technology would be captive deer populations, he said the ability to breed less CWD-susceptible deer could help free-ranging deer in the future. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures kicked off the week on a positive note on Monday. We finished higher in both live and feeder cattle. Live cattle were slightly higher. The nearby December contract up 60 cents, 168.82. February up 27, 169.62. With April live cattle up 65, 173.50. The big strength came in feeder cattle. January feeders up 227 at 223.17. March up a dollar 97, 224.15. With April feeder cattle up 205, 228.62. Cash fed cattle quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the South at 170. Now we saw those 168 sales earlier in the week in the Northern Plains. Feedlots here in the south holding out for 170. Finally, late on Friday, they got it. 170 sold cattle here in the south and up in Nebraska. So overall, two bucks higher compared to the sales earlier in the week last week. Boxed beef prices mixed Monday. Choice down 256 at 289.08. Select up 247, 263.29. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. I do livestock market reports every day, including Saturday and Sunday. Doug Bass called me on Saturday morning to tell me how the sale went on Friday at Brenham. Doug, how did it go? That good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 929 head of cattle in the year, and market looked pretty steady. Uh, cows a little bit higher. Uh, Cap market a little bit softer. Good. Walk the pins with us. Yes, sir. On your weigh-in cows, thinner, lower-yielding cows, 62 to 76. Medium-type cows, 79 88. Better high-yielding cows, 90 to 111. Lower-yielding bulls, 90 to 108. Better high-yielding bulls, 110 to 124. Few pairs. Pairs bring from 16 to 18.50. And the bred cows from 900 to 1,700. Uh, Cap market, like I said, it was a danger, a good market. It was a little bit softer in spots. Two to three weight steers, 250 to 317. Heifers, 215 to 302. Three to four weight steers, 215 to 320. 
heifers two ten to three dollars, four to five weight steers two dollars to three oh five, heifers two dollars to two ninety seven, five to six weight steers one ninety five to two eighty, heifers one eighty five to two twenty five. Six to seven weight steers, 185 to 220. Heifers, 180 to 215. Seven to 800 pound steers, 165 to 210. Heifers, 165 to 195. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bullion has been 145 to 191. Heifer at spring, 125 to 174. Good. How many? You had 900 what? 929. 929, and that's the last one before the holiday, I assume? Yes, sir. We'll be back January 5th. Tell everybody how to get a hold of your Doug Bass Cattleman's Brenham. Yes, sir. My sale is 979-877-4454. Office 979-836-3621. Neighbor, that was Doug Bass. I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Monday. February hogs dropped 32 cents, 71.57. April down 5 at 78.57. Class 3 milk was lower. December milk down 3. 16.12 100 weight. January milk down 23 at 15.67 100. Cotton futures close lower on Monday in a mostly slow holiday type trade. March cotton dropped 83 points, 79.10. May cotton down 80 at 79.89. July contract down 73 points at 80.44 cents. Corn market moved lower on Monday. The fact that we've got this record corn crop this year and increasing supplies here in the U.S., all keeping a lid on prices. March corn down six cents, 477. May corn down five and three quarters, 489 and a half. With July corn down five and a quarter, 499 and a half. Wheat finished lower, double digit losses in the wheat market in both hard and soft wheat. A lot of precipitation moving into the plains, the southern plains, hard and soft red winter wheat growing areas helping out those crops, but that does tend to push prices lower. March Kansas City wheat down 15 cents, 6.27 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat down 12 and a quarter, 6.17 a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas up a penny at 2.50. January West Texas crude up a dollar 19, 72.62 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher on Monday afternoon. The Dow actually was unchanged at 37,306. The NASDAQ up 90 points at 14,904. The S&P up 21 at 4,740. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.